Hello, everyone. Welcome to 139 episode of Whoopi's Chat. Um, today we have amazing guests. Uh, we have David Lockie. Hi, David. How are you? Hey, I'm really good. Thanks. Happy to be here. Lovely to have you as well. And we also have Lisa Sabin Wilson. Uh, Lisa, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So uh, also, uh, I need to announce that Robbie Adair, uh, being our co-host, is also present with us. Hello, Robbie. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm really, really glad I'm getting towards the end of the week. This is great. <laughs> I'm making it through. Yeah. Are you looking forward to, the, to today's uh, show? I think we, we're going to be asking very interesting questions, and I'm sure some of these questions have been popping up in some other heads as well. So let's hope that we'll do some contribution to WordPress community. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we've got some great questions, I think, lined up here, and I'm really anxious to hear y'all's answers. And I think that they will be different. Some will be the same answers and some will be different answers. So I'm really looking forward to this. Um, so one of the first things that we want to kind of dive into is, is about how e-commerce is, is developing now. And, and it's, it's coming, there's a lot of innovations that are happening in there. And what are you guys uh, excited about seeing the changes and the innovations that are happening in e-commerce? What are you seeing? And we'll, David, we'll let you start. Uh, I definitely like to live with one foot in the future in terms of tech, although try and stay rooted in the present um, as well. So the things which I'm particularly excited about are uh, like artificial intelligence technologies weaving their way into um, like technology generally, but you know e-commerce is an important part of that. And you may also know I'm a bit of a cryptocurrency and blockchain nerd. So I'm like fascinated by some of the things which are happening in that space um, and how they can, like how both those things can sort of augment where we are with uh, e-commerce today and create a, I think kind of in response to COVID, but it was just really accelerating a trend that was there anyway. It's sort of how do we open up um, the world through e-commerce? Uh, that's sort of the the thing which really gets me going about e-commerce is just and, and particularly kind of open source e-commerce and, and WooCommerce is that anyone can sell anything anywhere to anyone at any time under their own uh, conditions. And I just think that's a really powerful idea for, for society and for the world. Awesome. Lisa, what about yourself? Um, a couple of things. I think there, I think we've seen the door kind of slam wide open in e-commerce um, just in the last year, like the adoption of digital commerce, I think accelerated a decade's time in in one year due to COVID. Um, and I think that's really changed the landscape of consumers online and what they're expecting and the services that companies can provide. Um, I'm really excited about concepts around augmented reality. Um, you know, giving people a, a 3D rendering of whatever product it is and being able to take that 3D rendering and put it in your house somewhere so you can see what it looks like, you know, allowing the customization of those renderings for people so that they can fully customize their experience. I just think that people are, are really looking for ways to engage with products from the comfort of their own homes right now, even, even when things and, and these lockdowns ease up, which we've seen start happening, um, I think the changes in digital commerce are here to stay, even though we weren't looking to make those changes quite yet. 
uh, the pandemic sort of forced our hand. That is awesome. I mean, uh, I also would like to un- understand one more thing. I mean, you both are professionals developing both your own business and the business of your clients. And sometimes, or if maybe even better say most of the time, those businesses are in a form of an e-commerce. So I do have perhaps a, a private question for both of you, like what type of innovation when it comes to uh, virtual reality or, or augmented reality you'd love to see applied within those e-commerce or WooCommerce online shops? Is there anything you as a user and then as a maker as well you think still misses to fulfill this uh, uh, joy of uh, shopping online, right? Um, I'll kind of hop on that since I brought up augmented reality to begin with. I think that companies and brands need to make sure that it is a a consistent experience for all users. They need to make sure that that augmented reality is implemented in a way that is useful uh, to the end user, to the to the consumer, not just so that they can say they have augmented reality, but it needs to be something purposeful and useful. So it needs to be um, implemented thoughtfully. There's a there's a kit called 3Kit that has an integration with WooCommerce that is really interesting. And it's uh, 3Kit.com. Um, and it's spelled out like the, the number three is spelled 3, kit.com. They've got a WooCommerce integration that provides like 3D product visualization, augmented reality, um, product configuration. So these are things that that brands and companies are are doing. I just think um, doing it smart, getting you know consultants who are familiar with the technology in to really help implement that, uh, because I really don't think digital users right now are are willing to deal with uh, less than quality experiences online. If your competitor has got it nailed, then you need to get it nailed because otherwise your your buyers are going to go somewhere else for the experience of purchasing in your online store. Awesome. David, what do you think about uh, augmented reality? How it will actually, or virtual reality, how it will contribute to shoppers' experience? I, I mean, I agree with everything Lisa said. Uh, I think really the what that... Um, change in the market is waiting for is like a uh, a de facto standard great experience and I think if you read about um, what Apple's been doing over the last 10 years and you know what they've talked about with their Apple 3D experience uh, I can imagine that that is going to be totally revolutionary so you know an interactive uh, likeness of the world uh, the devices all that stuff they've you know, this is clearly their vision for what happens next. And, you know, when when they're ready and they launch it, it's going to be, I think it's going to really freak people out. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen Ready Player One and those sort of uh, like the visualizations of the metaverse, but um, I think when we talk about headless commerce today and we're really just talking about like having a JavaScript front end um i think that it's going to get totally blown away when we think about headless commerce as in like you know it's in our ambient environment all around us you know you look in the mirror you're wearing the dress or you are changing your hair color or you are you know 
like anything that you can imagine experiencing suddenly will become vivid in in a way that um, is off the screen. And I just think uh, that is going to be so transformative and revolutionary that it's kind of difficult to imagine what the post 3D world is going to look like and what that shopping experience looks like for for people and and really i think one of the challenges that you know everyone that isn't amazon uh has is like how how can you execute this well enough to like even stay in the same uh the same park because uh, it's going to be a lot of change for merchants to get their heads around you know having to have like 3D models, uh, much higher resolution photography, managing all of even just the infrastructure behind it, let alone all the standards, let alone like the content management. Uh, And I think one of the the reasons I'm kind of into the AI side of it is that AI has this power to take content that's in one format and like transform it into other formats. And I think that's, that's gonna be like the the magic ingredient that lets us take the web as it is now and kind of bootstrap it into the 3D web because it, we simply can't just sort of transform it or we're going to have to rely on uh, these like robotic transformations of stuff. And we can see some examples of that happening now. I found this really cool service where you can point a, like you put a, a URL of like a product page or a blog post into uh, a tool and it transforms it into a video. Um, so that's like just a, like a, a more trivial example. You know, you can get Polly to read your blog posts, uh, but I think we'll start seeing the same sort of tools that are there to sort of create these 3D experiences based on content that already exists. So I think it's going to get pretty wild pretty quickly. That's how we like it, David. We love the landscape, you know, changing and shifting and and moving and progressing with technology. That's what excites me about being involved in this industry. Yeah, there's there's such cool stuff that is happening out there. I think it is amazing. And I really love your idea, David, that AI will be the the biggest changer, game changer for integrating in AR and VR. I think that's that's a very unique perspective on it. I like that. There's, you know, apps now that you can like take pictures of of objects and it will create a 3D model for you and things like that, which is using some AI kind of generation in there. And so I think that's really uh, interesting uh, idea there. And boy, wouldn't it be cool to just be in your video game and put on your little suit and go, boy, this really does look good on me. I think I'll also put it in my shopping cart. I mean, that's kind of cool. <laughs> so, um, so guys, let's, let's also just, let's talk a little business too. Um, we've, we've really talked about some, like what's cutting edge and what's coming up in e-commerce. But if we have some people who are looking at starting their own business right now, your client's going to come to you and say, I'm going to start a new e-commerce business. What are some, some of the things that you would give them as advice right now for starting in our current uh, economy or our current world situation we have going on and things like that? Lisa, we'll start with you. Yeah. I mean, I just think that right now, the, again, the pandemic shifted everything. So there's never been like a more critical moment for companies and brands to really know their audience, to relate to what their audience is is experiencing um, and to really gain a competitive advantage by uh, delivering engagement to clients, however that looks like for them. So I would say, you know, development of, of, and getting back to the basics, like development of user personas 
who you're dealing with, who are you serving, how are they making their way through your site in order to buy that product and really understanding sort of that contextualized engagement that consumers have in order to deliver a kind of a connected experience for them. And by connected experience, I mean, you know, all of the services that you need to provide as a, a digital uh, shop, things like, you know, curbside pickup, delivery, if you're delivering augmented reality or any kind of 3D rendering or customization features, making sure that that is uh, a seamless experience for them because, uh, you know, consumers on the web have changed quite a bit in the last year and everybody's expectations and standards, the bar has, has raised, you know, how many people were uh, ordering groceries online in 2019 versus 2020 and what changes and shifts did we see in that grocery ordering? I personally saw a lot, you know, I saw uh, grocery stores that didn't do curbside contactless payment pick up, kind of figure it out. And they had to do it because that's who their customer is now. So I think really understanding your customer in order to engage with them is probably my first piece of advice I would give to companies who are looking to run e-commerce online. Know who you're, know who you're selling to. Absolutely. David? I would probably have like two things. It would be, so they're like very far apart on the spectrum. Like one is about I guess really knowing yourself and understanding like what do you want to achieve in the world like how does this business help you achieve it uh, what are the outcomes that you want and uh, how do you design a business that's going to do that because it's very easy to be busy uh, it's very difficult to like create real uh, relevancy and long-term value and I think the more that technologies disrupt like busy work the more important it is to have something that is like fundamentally important to you and to other people around you so that's one of like the really nice things about technology is I think it allows us to yeah like go away from the stacking paper and you know the, the meaningless sort of trivia and think about like what is the change that we want to see in the world and you know we now have examples of businesses that are like one person that have created these like in, this incredible value um really using very little in terms of human capital and so there's like this whole opportunity to orchestrate the tools and the technology around us in pursuit of our individual passions and goals and i think that is it's really important uh to 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 know yourself and to know what you know why you're doing this what is what is the why um the second one i would say is that um like the the company that knocks amazon off the top isn't going to be like another amazon it's going to be something different you know you don't win against an incumbent that powerful by just doing the same thing you know they their their moat is too big and so i think on one hand you've sort of dialed right back to very human values on the other hand you've got to look like forward beyond what is commonplace you've got to look at what the kids are doing you've got to look at what people are doing like beyond tiktok uh what are people doing in the crypto space what are people doing in e-gaming and e-sports uh and what is you know what does the 3d world look like and kind of imagine what 
combination of these new tech trends that are coming down the line might help support your cause in a way that is um, going to be more powerful than using the tools that we've got today. Because like e-commerce is really difficult at the moment. You, you kind of have all of these different barriers at lots of different levels, right? It, you know, if you become wildly popular, then Amazon just clones all of your stuff in China for a tenth of the price. If you like if you if you get really busy doing something artisanal then you reach like a limit of how much you can produce and so trying to find something that is like a meaningful sustainable defensible uh, valuable e-commerce business it's it's just really difficult and i think you have to combine like that human centrism with something innovative like an innovative combination and orchestration of these new technologies to you know to find a way ahead um uh, and uh, I, I think it, it's just a really difficult thing to do. And I, I'm always uh, in awe of people who set out to, to start a business. Awesome. I'm sure you guys have like amazing number of clients. So I just wanted to understand, I mean, since you are not just a, an, uh, a, a company providing online presence, but you also do the business strategy for certain companies, right? Who come to you, who ask for advice. You are actually the consultant. For, for their presence and brand. So I was just wondering, like, is there a favorite type of a client that you'd like to work with? Like, is how does a, how does um, an amazing or extraordinary client looks like or what type of uh, characteristics uh, those would have? I'm just curious if you know. The ones with big budgets who pay on time? <laughs> I was going to say, Lisa, those are my favorite clients too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably David as well, I would venture a guess. Uh, outside of those two qualities, I think that uh, some of my favorite clients to work with are are two things. One, they're they're very engaged with their product, their project, and their product. But they're engaged in the project enough to work together with us to help us meet their goals. I don't like the client who's who comes and says. Here's all the things that I need. Goodbye. I'll talk to you, you know, in a month, get it done. Like, I really love that client who's collaborative, uh, who's working together with us, who's approving things as we go. And then the other thing is uh, a realistic client, uh, understanding, especially in the area of e-commerce, like you really need to have a realistic view of your reach and your ability to meet the goals that you've set, whether that's inventory management or the costs associated with running e-commerce. It's not all just about making money with an e-commerce store. You're paying for shipping in some cases. You're paying for different services in order to sell your product online. Uh, I mean, just outside of WooCommerce, if you decide to sell on Shopify, for example, you've got fees associated with that. Like a, a client who's done their homework, who understands the landscape and is realistic and open to having uh, conversations that, are based in reality, uh, not, you know, conversations that would be best on a, like a marketing handbook or something, but like, this is the reality of what we're looking at here. So engaged and realistic. Those are my two favorite qualities in the client. I love this. Uh, by the way, while you are still talking before I asked David the same question, is there any like favorite tool that you use for communicating with clients? Like, um, is there something specific like that you use or it's just regular stuff like emails, SMSs and stuff? Um, uh, WebDev Studios uses the Atlassian suite of project products. So that's like Jira, 
Confluence. Uh, we use Zoom for regular, you know, weekly or biweekly updates to the client. Uh, very rarely are we using email because uh, these days email is where communication goes to die. Uh, so uh, we do like to use those sort of cloud-based tools that keep documentation and communication in one spot. Awesome. Hey, Bob WP here, and I'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of Do The Woo. 10UP has a stellar reputation in building enterprise WooCommerce sites, but they also have an amazing solution for you or your client's WooCommerce store search with Elastic Press. Elastic Press is powered with faceting and autocomplete that gives any Woo store customers the experience they expect. All you have to do is use the promo code DOTHEWOO at checkout for 10% off your first six months at ElasticPress.io. Wayflyer is helping WooCommerce direct-to-consumer merchants improve their cash flow to accelerate growth through revenue-based financing for their marketing and inventory needs. Now, whether it's for you or your clients, signing up is free, an offer will be delivered in a matter of hours, and one fee keeps it simple. They're the only trusted funding partner on the WooCommerce Marketplace and are featured over there in the Grow Your Business collection. So if you are looking to help yourself or your client with your store's marketing and inventory financial cash flow, just head on over to wayflyer.com. And now let's head back to the show. And David, a very hard question for you, like uh, what's your favorite type of a client and what tools you use actually to communicate with them in order to achieve success? Uh, like all of the things, you know, uh, Rich, Happy to Pay, all, all the things that Lisa said for sure. Um, I think clients for whom we can make a really significant difference, um, I really enjoy working with those where, where you know that, what you do really matters. You know, it's not just a, you know, mega corp and profits will be 0.0001% up or down depending on how well the project goes. But like, it's a really important, impactful project uh, for them. And then also like uh, off the other side of that, that the project that you're helping them to achieve is important in some way. So it might not be something that you kind of, it might not be up your street personally, but it might be, you can see that they're passionate about and it's a real thing. It's not just like, I want to make some money doing something. It's like, I really care about this. And, um, you know, I'll, like I'm, I'm in it. So there's that side of it. I also really like when clients teach you. Um, so I think we can be the experts in, you know, WooCommerce and WordPress and, you know, related technologies. But I really like clients that are smarter than us in lots of other ways because I just find them really inspiring to work with. Um, and I think one of the, one of the things that I've definitely learned is being humble. Uh, just because somebody's never done an e-commerce project before doesn't mean that they're not like an extremely inspiring, brave, knowledgeable, wise business person in in so many other ways. So those are the people that that really float my boat. Um, in terms of tools, I think probably. The anti-productivity tool that is Slack is probably my favorite. Um, 
I think because it is it can be funnier than any other business communication tool. There's something about the real time communication, the fact that when you join the Slack, you get to use like all their emojis and their gifts and everything else. And it, it for me, it helps other it helps our clients because we share channels with Slack. So we've got loads of internal ones, but we'll have like external ones that are shared with clients as well. And you know. When they come in, I feel like they get a much because I do this as well. I join other people's Slack, and I feel it, like it gives you a really good idea of what the culture is and what the sense of humour is, and it just allows a more human connection than um, than a lot of the other channels. Yeah, you know, we actually um, did a, an article talking about using Discord uh, for business, like you use Slack for business, and it is it's wildly popular and it's just amazing all the questions that we're getting about it it's so cool um yeah we're actually going to do a little course on it just because it's so fascinating that people just like you said i think it's because it's it's different it's not your normal have a task and leave a comment someone else can leave a comment on it it's it's real time it and it does have you can tell the personality of the people you're talking to in there it is a much more relaxed and i think discord just gives you that that audio piece that that they they don't that you have to go into a meeting to have the audio whereas discord has the open chat channels you know that i guess you know that's kind of what clubhouse is based about too so i think it's uh it's interesting hit hit me up if you want like i spend a lot of time in discords with my like crypto hat on nice and like what what people get up to in there is like wow there's so many like different automations and um you know i mean there are i mentioned this is sort of one of the trends i'm really interested in but it's sort of it's like the organizational side of crypto where it is like it's not only remote by default but it's also often like pseudonymous by default so you don't really know who the people are and like the business is essentially just software and a discord uh and you know these are going to be like multi-billion dollar businesses that are making massive changes in the world you know it's not all dog coins there's some really interesting stuff going on and the way that people use those sorts of platforms to power communities uh and sort of self really truly self-govern because you know often there's you know there is no centralized party in there it's just like it's mind-blowing to see and i think if you want to look at what the what the future of business looks like i think it's much more like that you know massive multiplayer online games discords self-organizing communities of interest than it is you know big glass and steel buildings with, you know, uh, CEOs getting paid 500x, the average worker. I just think, you know, that's a that's an ivory tower that's going to crumble. Totally agree. Well, I, I hope it is anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I know I, I was actually just listening to a, a chat they were doing about in Clubhouse about NFTs. And it was fascinating. I mean, it's just like, like some of the use cases that they were starting to come up with. I was like, wow, never thought of that. Never thought, I, th- I think that's the, that's the biggest change that we're seeing right now is people with these new technologies figuring out new ways to use it too in businesses. So I think that's really awesome. Um, I have a quick question for you guys. And that is, do you contribute uh, to Woo? You or maybe some of your teammates, the, what type of contributions do you do or do you do any? Um, personally, I don't outside of writing about it in my books, for sure. <laughs> uh, WooCommerce is definitely a hot topic around e-commerce and e-commerce is a hot topic for WordPress users. So obviously it shows up in my books. Um, Our team, we do five for the future at web dev studios, which is contributing to the WordPress core. 
uh, or WordPress community in some ways. Uh, we donate one day, one full day a month where everybody in our company is working that entire day paid to contribute to uh, WordPress and related technologies, whether that is, you know, being on the core team or, you know, contributing to theme reviews or plugin reviews, plugin development, and even WooCommerce. So as a company, yes, I can't point specifically to anything um, that we've contributed recently to WooCommerce, but I could find out. Oh, no, I was just curious. And, and that's fabulous. You do one day a month. I love that. Yeah, we typically let our team contribute to whatever, you know, open source project that relates to WordPress is out there. So it's a way of giving back. David? We don't do it in such a structured way. And I think what Web Dev do is uh, excellent and really admirable. Um, we have contributed to Web, like WooCommerce Core uh, and WordPress Core as a business. Um, we open source everything that we do. So we often build plugins that solve particular problems. Um, although that's sort of in our interest as well. Uh, it also does, I think, you know, the more that we can do to keep people using uh, the Woo ecosystem, the better. Uh, so I feel like we contribute quite well there. Uh, I'd say that over the like pandemic, it's been less contribute than we'd like. And that's something that we've definitely reflected on um, as a leadership team. Uh, so we're going to sort of, we're going to address that and make sure that there, there are sort of clearer clearer ways for people to do that. I think, you know, it's just been a bit of sort of scramble mode. Um, but no, contributing to Woo is, is really, really important. Um, I'm definitely not qualified to contribute any code, but I try and, uh, you know, I try and do my bit in other ways, you know, writing or talking or, um, you know, just coming on, on podcasts like this and trying to share the things that I've seen in my privileged position of being able to go outside of, you know, an, an IDE and, and go and look at what's happening in the wider world and just sort of try and be a bit of connected tissue there. Very nice. I think even us speaking here, it's uh, and sitting here and sharing our knowledge is also part of contribution. So, uh, Lisa, uh, please calculate this as an additional hour of contributing to. Uh, on another thing, I also, since I have a question for both uh, Lisa and David, like, is there a count of how many Woo projects you've done so far? Like, do you use some calculations, like for the history page or something? Um, we don't. We've been in business for 13 years, and I can say any e-commerce website we've used has used WooCommerce. We've never used anything other. I would say off the top of my head, probably in the last five years, we've probably been engaged in maybe about a dozen, dozen and a half, like WooCommerce, e-commerce type builds. And is there any project that you're particularly proud of or that was very complex? Or is there any, any project that actually stayed in your mind, marked somewhere? Um, yeah, I mean, Web Dev Studios in 2000 and I want to say 18, 2017, 2018, we uh, worked for, for two solid years building the um, commerce platform for HEB and their related centralmarket.com website. Uh, that was a huge build that we were involved in. And now that that website got built, it was handed off to um, 
another agency in the community space. I think we all know Patrick Garman running MindSize. Uh, they're now managing uh, centralmarket.com and, and I believe HEB.com. Those uh, supermarkets are really large supermarkets in the state of Texas only. There's like 13. They've just got a massive amount of inventory and they showcase, you know, over 26,000 individual product variations. Um, and that, that number, 26,000, that's like from 2018. So I'm sure it's expanded a lot since then. And I know during the pandemic, they've implemented things like curbside pickup, uh, delivery, wish lists, uh, online cooking classes, all sorts of things. But building the platform with WordPress, with WooCommerce, you know, had its challenges. Uh, if you can imagine a, a grocery store has a, a regular product data synchronization when you're talking about inventory and price variations, uh, different coupons, different specials that go out. So that is one that, um, that I'm particularly proud of and that, that you can find that at centralmarket.com. Thank you very much. And David, what about you? Yeah, I mean, we've done, like Angry Creative specialize in WeBuild. So I think we probably have like hundreds of active clients now. Um, it's definitely in the, in the hundreds that we've uh, been involved with over the last few years. I think the project, does it have to be a client project or can I shell our own internal project? Yes. I'm really proud of the work that we're doing with, um, it's a project called Carla, which is, uh, so Q-A-L-A, and it's our internal uh, like productized WooCommerce offering. So it's WordPress, it's WooCommerce, it's a bunch of curated plugins from around the ecosystem that we know do jobs really well. So uh, they are like, ones that we're happy to take responsibility for. So um, some of them are payment plugins, some are shipping. Uh, others might be like a multilingual plugin, like multilingual press from our friends at Impside. And then there's a bunch of plugins that we built that um, fit, fill some of the gaps. So for example, we have uh, in, in one of the latest releases, we have something called Carla Global Cart. And like, it's quite a simple pro problem, but it's quite annoying. So if you're in one locale of a store and you add some products and, the, and then you change to a different locale, by default, your cart empties again. What Global Cart does is it uses uh, product SKUs to then rebuild the cart into the new locale. So although you're on a totally different uh, instance, if those products exist in the new cart, you've, uh, you've still got your basket there. And as a consumer, it's going to make you a lot more um, likely to continue your buying journey and to check out so i think there are like probably maybe 20 of our own little plugins that just do little bits and pieces like that but overall it adds up to making a really cohesive experience and i think the way that angry and this is work that was done before my time so i'm not taking credit for it but i think the vision of uh, adding productized services around this sort of very stable curated core that gives everything, uh, gives people everything that they need to start selling successfully with WooCommerce is a really good idea because it means that there's none of this sort of which plugin should we use business. There's no uncertainty when it comes to updates. Everything's very predictable and because everything's standardized, it can be done at scale. And it also then shines a light on where more than one customer is seeking to solve a particular problem. Um, and a lot of that stuff is sort of behind the scenes and under the hood in terms of performance. So we have like, to, to talk about a client project as well. Uh, there's one called Jeff Avenue, which is like a Swedish influencer 
uh, site and they do like these fashion drops. So you have like no traffic, no traffic. They drop something on their social and suddenly you've got like thousands of concurrent add to baskets. Uh, and that's that's a really interesting challenge and one that I know the team are really, really proud of. Well, guys, um, I want to ask, what do you think when you have these customers coming in, because both of you have uh, quite an array of clients, have done a lot of builds. What do you think is the one of the biggest things that your clients overlook whenever they come in to talk to you about their project? What is what is something you think that is a, a fairly common thing that's overlooked? When we talk to clients uh, about it, about project, whether it's a e-commerce project or a big media build or whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. I think that clients sometimes don't think beyond the just the cost of of building it, of doing the thing. Like they don't think about the cost of uh, user acceptance testing, uh, QA testing at the end of a project, bug fixes towards the end of the project, the cost of project and account management, things that kind of get built into an overall budget. Um, sometimes you get clients who come and they've got a little bit of experience building out websites and they're like, I can build that menu. It's going to take me like an hour to do this. Um, but when you hire on an agency, you're not just hiring hours for devs to put code down to make a thing work. You're hiring that agency to also make sure that best practices are followed, that your website has accessibility answered for, that the performance tests are, you know, 100, you know, because you're hiring for that that quality. And that quality only happens Yes, through building the product, but also through testing, performance testing, accessibility testing, um, all of those things that go into it as well. So um, a lot of times we're, we're educating the clients on why those costs exist. And if they don't want to pay for those costs, then what, what that's kind of saying to me is you don't want to pay for that quality, for that testing, for the outcome that we are promising you as experts in our field. That is like a very good list of things that people don't account for in terms of project budgets. And it's like a continual conversation. For me, uh, probably the biggest thing that they overlook is that like, they think it's a project. Um, you know, they think back to, you know, go, going to get a brochure designed or even like in the early days, you get a brochure site done and put up. You know, if you're going to be successful online now, digital is an integral part of your business and it's an ongoing practice sure we have to have project managers we have to have like experts outside but they also have to commit to the project their side as well so you know not just giving the project to manage to somebody who's already like stressed out overload never managed a website project before you know doesn't really have the buy-in from the senior people the most successful website builds we get are where the business really engages like lisa said earlier and that involves engagement at all levels, right? Your website is your organization's skin. It's what like the outside world sees. It's how they experience you as an organization. And I think unless you embed that really tightly, you know, that digital experience and with your real business experience, you're just going to, you're going to lose to a competitor that does, you know, there's, um, it's, I think they underestimate how involved it is in every way, like from writing the homepage copy to the 
burden of the project management meetings to the testing to all the stuff that they you know they've spent days or weeks putting together this website brief and it's like you know five percent complete you know there's like there's a long list of stuff but it's it's just a, a heck of a lot more involved than most people realize and that, it's one of the things that i feel is hardest for agencies to navigate because you don't want to just be going like sucking your teeth and saying that's going to be really expensive you don't want to be saying to your client like you know this is going to cost you like all the money that you've got and more and you're going to get like a quarter of it done you don't want to be telling them that they're like stupid to have overlooked all this stuff you know so it's a very difficult balance to like tread a fine line where you're being responsible in your practice accessibility performance security testing release management all of the stuff that doesn't affect the thing that pops on the screen how you sell your expertise um, and how you attract clients that will respect that um, and how you manage that whole process it's um it's not any difficult it's like evolving every time all the time right because people go from agency to client side clients are getting more and more sophisticated you know once like what one of the things that is really tough is like if you like we do a lot of takeovers so we pick up sites that other people have like run out of road with or you know the relationship's fallen apart often they've like it's been a bad build and now they're like we're we're exiting can you help uh and clients are often then like once bit and twice shy and the trust that not the trust of the old agency like just the trust with doing anything with a website um you know we don't charge for therapy like digital therapy but like probably we should so there's there's just loads of stuff like we could be here all night this could be like a whole podcast topic like as you're talking i'm thinking about five other things that i could add on to that as well but yeah it's endless. I think when you said too that a lot of clients are used to getting a brochure done and, and it's like you come in and you say, I want this, maybe you go back and forth with proofs, it's done. It's and it's done. And what I think a lot of clients don't realize is that a website is a living, breathing thing. It's never done. Right. <laughs> Ever. So well. Guys, I really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge. Um, it, it's like really went, went down some rabbit holes there. I love it. Um, but how can people follow you to learn more about what you have to share out there in the world? How can they find you on the web? Everybody can find me at webdevstudios.com. That is our main company website. Uh, we're also on Twitter, webdevstudios, at webdevstudios. Um, I'm also on Twitter, at Lisa Sabin Wilson, but that's a really long name. So just find me at webdevstudios.com, and, and somebody there will point you in the right direction. Cool. David? Yeah, same, same for us. We've got angrycreative.com, or if you happen to be Swedish, angrycreative.se. Uh, I am most places that you'd expect a boomer to be uh, at Divvy which is D-I-V-Y-D-O-V-Y. Don't ask me why uh, I inherited that handle a long time ago and uh, it's impossible to change now. So there it is. <laughs> right. Twitter. I spend too much time on Twitter. If you want to hang out, like I'll be there. Well, thank you again for being a guest today. We appreciate it. And we also want to thank a couple of our pod friends today for their support. Uh, we'd like to mention 10up.com and wayflyer.com. Again, thanks for joining us. And we will talk to you on the next episode. Bye.